Speaking for Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to What's New. My name is Ed Peters. We move on today to verses 1 to 13 of Matthew chapter 17. These verses deal with Matthew's account of the Transfiguration, and he writes as follows. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John to the top of a high and lonely hill, and as they watched, his appearance changed, so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and were talking with him. Peter blurted out, Sir, it's wonderful that we can be here. If you want me, too, I will make shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But even as he said it, a bright cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, and I am wonderfully pleased with him. Obey him. At this, the disciples fell face downward to the ground, terribly frightened. Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked, only Jesus was with them. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after he had risen from the dead. His disciples asked, Why do the Jewish leaders insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, They are right. Elijah must come and set everything in order. And, in fact, he has already come, but he wasn't recognized and was badly mistreated by many. And I, the Messiah, shall also suffer at their hands. Then the disciples realized that he was speaking of John the Baptist. The transfiguration was a revelation of the glory of the Son of God, a glory hidden now, but to be fully revealed when he returns. 
a confirmation of the difficult teaching given to the disciples at Caesarea Philippi, and a beneficial experience for the disciples who were discouraged after having been reminded so recently of the impending suffering and death of Jesus. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. Not only are the words of Jesus crucial to the Christian faith, but also the things that happened to him. Six to eight days after Jesus predicted his death before his disciples, he took Peter, James, and John up a high mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. He had just told the disciples that they would see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Perhaps this is what he had in mind. His transfiguration would be a foretaste of his coming kingdom. We are not told which high mountain it was. Since they were at Caesarea Philippi at the base of Mount Hermon, some believe that that was the high mountain to which he took his core group. Mount Hermon rises to 9,232 feet, or 2,814 kilometers. Mount Tabor, with an elevation of only 1,900 feet, 579 kilometers, has been suggested. But both of these possibilities have their difficulties. Another suggestion is Mount Miron, 3,926 feet. That is the highest mountain between Caesarea Philippi and Capernaum. There Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. While he was still speaking, a white cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew 17, 2-3 and 5. That word transfigure comes from the same word as our English word metamorphosis. It suggests a change in form and appearance. The change in Jesus is here detailed by Matthew. Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. I am sure we will never fully understand the total significance of this event. Perhaps, as I've just suggested, this might be a foretaste of Christ's authority and power in the kingdom. It was the unveiling of the kingdom in microcosm. Be that as it may, I want to pursue other matters, however. It seems that when humans or angels come into the presence of God, they shine with an indescribable light. Here the human form of Jesus came into direct contact with God and Matthew struggles, describing the light of his face and his garments. When Moses came down the mountain, having been with God, his face shone. Angels coming from the presence of God also shone with an indescribable light. It seems that essentially that's what glory is an incredible brightness that appears to humans as light. Why did Jesus appear this way to his disciples? Perhaps there are many reasons, but I'll focus only on one. Perhaps this was a way of Jesus revealing to us humans what we will be like when we, 
as those who have the life of Christ shall be like when we enter the presence of the Father. We too will be metamorphosized. This is what redeemed, perfect humanity will come to. Our bodies will be changed at the rapture of the church, at the return of Jesus for his own. We shall be conformed to the image of the body of the glory of Jesus Christ. Here these disciples saw what Jesus would be like in glory. Here was the perfect human, the Son of Man, in God's presence, with inherent, incredible, indescribable light emanating from him. John, in the book called Revelation, wrote that Christ will give us light. We will shine in that next dimension. Of course, God is light and we will reflect him. But evidently, we will not only reflect the glory of God, but we will possess inherent light, just as Jesus did here when he was transfigured. Why Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus isn't stated. Perhaps Moses represented the law and Elijah the prophets. Now Peter suggests building booths, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now what was that all about? I believe this to be a reference to the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. That had historical as well as prophetic implications. The prophetic implication concerns the coming kingdom of Christ, when Israel will again celebrate freedom by reenacting this feast. In view of Jesus' words just preceding chapter 17, and since there were no chapter divisions in the original, Perhaps Peter was impressed by the beginning of the kingdom and was ready to keep the eschatological feast of booths. They didn't build them, of course. Characteristic of impetuous Peter, he spoke too soon. However, when he later wrote these two epistles, when he had time to think, the impact that this mountain experience left upon him was clearly tremendous. Now, coming down the mountain, the disciples remembered what the prophets stated, that Elijah must return and prepare the way for the Messiah. If Jesus was the Messiah, and if these disciples had just witnessed his coming kingdom in microcosm on the mountain, then where was Elijah? So Jesus identified John the Baptist as the one who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And had the people accepted Jesus as king, no doubt John would have fulfilled this prophecy about Elijah. If there had been any doubt in the minds of the disciples concerning Jesus, surely they were all gone now. They had seen him as the God he was in all his divine glory, and they had heard God the Father himself witness to the deity of Jesus.
News, a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.